Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio. I am so glad that you could join us today, as I am every day. I'd like to give a special shout-out to all my tweeps out there. I've been out on Twitter for about four hours already. I got up early to start it. There's so much going on in the world today, and uh, everybody's just been conversing about it. And that's actually one of the things we're going to be talking about on today's Go Green Radio. As many of you know, the reason that I am even your host to begin with for Go Green Radio is that back in 2002, I founded an organization called the Go Green Initiative. And you can find us on www dot go green initiative dot org it's an environmental education program i'll talk about it in a little bit but one of the things that we're going to be really focusing on in today's broadcast is the effect that social media has had upon environmental education and maybe even more importantly the effect that it could have on environmental education there's so much technology and so many ways to communicate that are available today that just simply were not back in 2002 when I started the Go Green Initiative. And now there's just so much excitement and so many ways to connect with kids, connect with people who care about kids, whether that's teachers, parents, principals, grandparents, what have you, through new media. And we're going to be talking about that today on the show. I want to invite those of you who are listening live uh, to call in if you have any questions. You know, this is an interactive show and it doesn't always have to be behind the scenes. I get tons of emails. I get tons of tweets and Facebook messages and I'm happy with all that. I love to hear from you guys. But this is a live show. So if you have questions about using new media, whether you are doing an environmental education program at a school or whether you happen to be on staff uh, for a large environmental education program and you want to ask some specific questions, I'm happy to take your call at 1-866-472-5787. So write that down, 866-472-5787. Happy to take your call at any time. Well, I want to talk a little bit about what environmental education is now in the 21st century, um, as opposed to what it was back in the 20th century when um, a lot of environmental education programs first started, because I think it's really important to understand what we're doing with environmental education today, what makes a solid uh, new 21st century kind of program. First of all, 21st, envir- 21st century environmental education is focused more on exciting people to do things. 
back in the 20th century, back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you saw a ton of environmental education programs, and some of them came from government agencies, some of them came from uh, nonprofit organizations, some of them just sprouted up in schools. But there was this idea that somehow if we um, give kids knowledge, if we give them education about factoids and trivia and all this stuff about the environment, that somehow that will lead to action. Well, we found out the hard way that wasn't necessarily true. Um, I was going to school in the in the eighties. I was in middle school and high school then. And though we did see some Woodsy the Owl stuff, some Keep America Beautiful stuff, um, some very effective um, communication, it was really all about knowledge, and it didn't necessarily lead to action. Uh, my generation grew up knowing that we should recycle. That didn't necessarily mean we did. We knew we shouldn't waste water. We didn't always know why, but that didn't mean that we wouldn't grow up to have yards that were green, that we had to water a lot. So the goal of 21st century environmental education, and this is really a defining moment for all those organizations out there trying to get kids and their parents to do the right thing and go green, is really action-oriented. Yeah, we need some curriculum, we need some uh, factoids going out there, but what we really need is education programs that translate into measurable actions. That's one of the things that the Go Green Initiative has done from the Giddy Up. Um, we've actually asked schools that sign up with the Go Green Initiative to try to measure and quantify their environmental benefit so that it wasn't just a program where you know, the teachers were telling the kids, we're going to turn the lights off and go to recess and here's why, or we're going to recycle our paper and here's why. They were actually going to measure how much paper they recycled or how much energy they saved. And then we would start to collate that information and report on the actual environmental impact that all of us, everybody who's involved with the Go Green Initiative have had on the planet. So, that's one of the things that I'm hoping that we see more and more of as nonprofit organizations and other environmental education programs spring up is that they will actually have some way to measure their success in real numbers. And new media can help us do that. Um, one of the things before I launch into talking about specifically um, various platforms, various configurations of new media and how we can use that in environmental education. For instance, how to use Twitter to advance environmental education or how do you use Facebook to advance environmental education. I'm going to talk about that during the show. But one of the things that um, a lot of people ask me, um, because we are, well, schools are constantly in a time of difficult budget crisis. I mean, even when the country was not in recession, a lot of schools were operating almost as though they were because school budgets are always very tight. Um, just as a side note, the reason for that is that a lot of school budgets are almost entirely based on payroll. There's very little when you look at a school district or a school budget that's money to play with. Um, 80 Five to 90% of most school district and school budgets are payroll. So when you talk about um, adding on curriculum or adding instructional materials or even just putting new playground equipment in, schools just don't have a lot of extra cash. They never do. But in a time of recession and in a time when we're seeing budgets slashed to 
you know, levels we haven't seen in most of our lifetimes um, in schools. And we're seeing uh, union issues and we're seeing, you know, unrest of every conceivable type around schools and labor issues. People ask me, Jill, how in the world are we supposed to break through all that noise in order to say, let's focus on going green? Well, I'll tell you how the Go Green Initiative has done it. Part of it has been with new media. Part of it has just been with age-old communication tactics that, you know, you could use even if all you had was a, a typewriter. But that is, we go into a school or a school opts to have the Go Green Initiative. We build a team of multiple stakeholder groups. What do I mean by that? Well, in most school communities, you have teachers, administrators, janitors, students, and parents. So one of the ways that any environmental education program is going to succeed is if you build a team or encourage a school to build a team with all of those various stakeholder groups uh, involved. One of the things that's really, really tough to do is to say to teachers and teachers alone, here's my environmental education curriculum. Don't you love it? Why don't you do it You know, in your classroom? Well, teachers are overburdened in most school districts. I mean, they are really trying to pack a lot of instructional minutes into their day. So if you create a team environment and using things like Facebook so that uh, if you have a team of, of a teacher, administrator, janitor, parents, etc., they can be collabor- collaborating on a Facebook page. You could use email, of course, to do email newsletters. You could even use YouTube so that, you know, the, the teams, if they can't all get together, they can video conference using YouTube or Uvu or Skype or other um, video technologies to further and advance their work. So that's one of the things that I think really helps environmental education programs succeed and sustain themselves is to build you know, a, a stakeholder group that isn't just based on teachers alone. That's a heavy burden for teachers to bear. A lot of people will ask me, because the Go Green Initiative is in schools in all 50 states. We are in schools from preschool through university in all 50 U.S. states and in 39 countries around the world. And a lot of people say, well, what's different about a Go Green Initiative school? What does it look like? Um, What would you see if you visited a Go Green Initiative school? Well, I have a two-part answer to that question. The first is, what does it look like? on campus, and what does it look like online? Now, this is, again, where new media is involved. First of all, on campus, if you've got a great environmental education program going on, whether it's the Go Green Initiative, which is my program or some other program, there will be some kind of evidence that's visible when you walk onto campus that they're doing things to conserve natural resources. You are going to see things like recycling bins in the classrooms. You'll even see them in the school office, hopefully right underneath the principal's desk so that he or she is actually role modeling to the kids what recycling looks like. You're going to see lights off when nobody's in the room. You're going to see placards around the school that talk to the kids about saving energy. Maybe it'll be a sticker near the light switches or maybe it'll be a little placard near the uh, air control systems in each of the classrooms saying, you know, we don't go above this 
temperature in the winter and we don't go below this temperature in the summer um, so that we can conserve energy and here's why. You'll see some kind of evidence that there's something happening in the lunch area. A lot of schools with great environmental education programs use lunchtime as a time to underscore to kids that we don't waste things that have value, whether it's food or whether it's uh, containers that could be reused. You're going to see that evidence. Now, this show is talking about new media. So what are you going to see in terms of a school's online presence to demonstrate that they have a great environmental education program going on? Well, first of all, their website. Um, by taking a look at, at any school's website, there should be some mention that they are going green. There should be some kind of newsletter. There should be some kind of logo. There should be some kind of indication that this is a campus that is striving to conserve natural resources that they know the students that they care about that are there in classrooms today are going to need in the future. And so there's going to be some indication online that the schools are doing that. Now, hopefully, you know, and not all schools are there, but a lot of schools are starting to have their own Facebook pages, their own YouTube channels, their own Twitter accounts, and what have you. And hopefully, if you were to click on their icons, which we want to see on the home page of their websites, and you visit their Twitter account, you visit their Facebook page or their YouTube channel, you're going to see some kind of evidence that they're engaging students in environmental education, whether that's through conserving water, gardening, composting on campus, recycling on campus. Those are the kind of things that the Go Green Initiative is encouraging our schools to do. And and most schools, even if they're not quite to the point where they're using social media, most schools are using some kind of email communication system. And whether that's from the principal sending out a newsletter or the PTA or some other parent group sending out their newsletters, hopefully what we're going to be seeing is that there's some little corner, if not a full page, you know, article each time they send out one of those newsletters saying, here's what we're doing on campus to conserve natural resources, both because we know it will save the campus money, but also because we know that these students that we consider precious, that we're educating every day, we know that they're going to need every bit of the natural resources we can save today for a healthy and prosperous tomorrow. Now, a lot of environmental education programs that may be listening in right now are probably curled up a little bit, and they're thinking, wait a minute, nothing that you've said has anything to do with curriculum, and our program is all about curriculum. We're trying to get our PowerPoint slides, our videos, our uh, booklets, and whatever products they may sell or distribute to schools into the classroom because we want the teachers to do our curriculum. And that's not wrong, and that's okay, but we're going to talk about, after the break, what does new media and 21st century environmental education have to do with curriculum? How does it interface? Why does it matter? And what role does curriculum play, even in a world where we're starting to use more and more social media? That good, fat, gold-fashioned, uh, old-school curriculum still has a place, but it's my opinion that that place is changing. So we're going to talk about that after we take a quick commercial break. So don't go away, folks. We've got a lot more Go Green Radio right around the corner. So don't go away. We'll be right back with more Go Green Radio. News. 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 
Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today we are talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that is environmental education. It's really become my life's work, and I never thought in a million years when I was growing up that this would end up being sort of my thing. Um, you know, a lot of you know that I'm a former naval officer, um, but I'll tell you what, when I became a mom and I began to understand the connection between my kids' future and how bright it could be and protecting those elements of the environment that will either help or hinder their future, I really became an advocate for teaching kids and teaching their parents all about environmental protection. Um, and that is when I, I formed the Go Green Initiative back in 2002. For those of you who want to check out my organization while I'm talking about new media and how it can be used to advance environmental education, go right ahead. Don't close this tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com. But open a new tab in your web browser and go to www.go.com. 
greeninitiative.org. And that is my organization. Now, we've been talking about what 21st century environmental education is all about and what the goals are. Um, and really, it differs from environmental education that we saw coming out in the 20th century, which really focused on let's just fill everybody's heads full of knowledge about, you know, how we can save the planet and hope, you know, keep our fingers crossed that that will lead to action. Well, we know that that doesn't necessarily happen. And so that is why 21st century environmental education is focused more on, yes, we're going to fill you know, kids' heads and their parents' heads with information, but we're really going to encourage action because at the, at the end of the day, that's what we really want. We want people to take action based upon what they know to be true about the benefits of protecting the environment and conserving natural resources. Now, before we went on to break, I was talking a little bit about environmental education curriculum, and there are a lot of organizations out there who probably are ready to kind of get angry with me a little bit um, because their whole focus is creating environmental education curriculum, creating, you know, all the instructional materials for teachers to use. And then their hope is that either A, uh, the school district or the state that a school is in will mandate that that curriculum be taught or that they can go door-to-door, sell it to individual teachers. And when I say sell it, I don't always mean for money. Sometimes curriculum is free, although most of the time it's not. Um, and, and hope that they can get enough teachers, individual teachers, to teach their curriculum in their classrooms to make a difference. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. There is a place for environmental education curriculum. But I believe that new media is not taking the place of curriculum, but it's actually doing more than curriculum ever could. There are applications out there, and we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of how to use YouTube, how to use Twitter, how to use Facebook, and a variety of other social media um, platforms to advance environmental education. But one of the great things that you can do with new media that you cannot do as much with curriculum is open up two-way conversations. And this is the exciting thing about the new wave of environmental education. When you engage teachers, students, parents and other stakeholder groups in schools in a Facebook page, in a Twitter conversation, in, in a YouTube video contest. You're opening up conversations that simply could not take place anywhere else. It's very difficult to get a whole bunch of kids from different schools to talk to each other. Um, they're in their own schools all day. It's very difficult logistically to move them around. But you invite them into a Facebook page, and all of a sudden, kids from Indonesia can be talking with kids from Indiana. And that's exactly what the Go Green Initiative is doing. In fact, if you check out our Facebook, um, Go Green Face Space, and you can get to that by going to our website, gogreeninitiative.org, and then clicking on our Facebook icon, you're going to see youngsters from Oman, students from the Philippines, and of course from all over the United States. Kids from all over the world are talking to each other on our Facebook page. That can't happen with curriculum alone. So for all of you out there who are creating awesome environmental education curriculum, yay you, I am on your team. But what I'm suggesting to you is that you look at some new media platforms to take your curriculum curriculum into a new sphere, and that is the conversational sphere, because students today expect more of us. They have all these communication tools available to them, and they expect smart people 
people who want to educate them, people who really respect them and want to reach them to use those platforms to reach them. So curriculum, when it comes to environmental education, is still great. We need it. We want to supplement and we want to enhance um, what what kids are learning and what they're seeing out there with all this information about going green. Um, but now it's time to start taking that curriculum and instead of just placing it in the hands of teachers um, who sometimes are just overwhelmed with all of the state standards they have to meet, let's start putting it online. Well, let's talk about how to do that. Let's talk about some specific new media platforms and how we might be able to use them for environmental education. I'm going to tell you all the secret sauce that I've learned over the last four years of playing around with a bunch of different social media platforms. My approach to social media is to look at all of these different applications as kind of a toolbox. If you were going to build a deck in your backyard or build a shed or something, you couldn't accomplish the whole job with just a hammer. Uh, you'd need a screwdriver, you need a drill, you need a saw, you need several different tools to build that deck or that shed in your backyard. Well, the same is true for 21st century communication, whether it's environmental education or otherwise. Um, if you only have a website, it's simply not enough. Um, and so I've spent the last few years, every time a new social media platform came out, I played with it to see what I could do with it. And so what I'm going to talk to you about today is how I've used each of these different platforms to, to bring environmental education to my audience. Let's talk about YouTube first. Um, first of all, things that you need to know about YouTube. Um, yeah, there's stuff out there that we don't want kids to see. And there are ways that every teacher and every parent can filter those things out and monitor the way that kids are using YouTube. But I still cannot impress upon you enough <laughs> the fact that a lot of kids are accessing YouTube and it can be used for good. And one of the things that I've done with the Go Green Initiative, we have our own Go Green Initiative YouTube channel. It is a mixture of videos that we've created videos that we like and we we click on as favorites that other people have made and videos that uh, students have sent to us that we've uploaded. And so um, by going to just our channel page, it's a very safe place for teachers, parents, students to learn, you know, all the things that we're talking about with the Go Green Initiative. In fact, one of the things that I've even done is um, I've used a little video camera uh, in my minivan. <laughs> I'm a minivan mom. I'm a mom of three. And sometimes I get questions from all over the place that I cannot physically sit down and answer all day long with email. I mean, literally, I would be sitting at my computer 24-7 to answer all the questions. So sometimes I video uh, the answers to emails and I put them up on YouTube. And I send those links out so that people can see the answers to somebody's question using video. That's one way to get people going. Naturally, YouTube is a great place um, for students to send videos to you, whether you do a video contest or what have you. It's a great place for students to show off their own creativity. And so a lot of organizations are starting to use YouTube for video contests. And I think that's totally cool. But another thing that you can use YouTube for is to embed videos in other things. For instance, 
naturally, if you have a blog or if you're encouraging students to write their own blogs, which I think is great, they can take YouTube videos and embed those into their blogs. Another great tool that I am wild about is SlideShare. If you haven't seen it yet, um, educators, um, anybody who's out there doing any kind of presentations at all, check this out. It's SlideShare.com. Net, I believe, slideshare.net.org.com. One of those, I'm pretty sure it's .net. Um, but you can create slidecasts where you've got PowerPoint presentations um, and you can embed videos into those. You can embed um, all kinds of other media and actually make the slidecast itself, um, which is media rich, um, part of, you know, it can have videos as part of it, as a link that you can embed into blogs as well. So, YouTube is is a great way to capture videos, store them, and then use them not just as a channel, but also as something to embed. Now, I want to, all of those of you who are in environmental education who may not be savvy to this to understand one super important thing about YouTube, and that is after Google, YouTube is the number two search engine in the world. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that... If you want people to find your stuff, if you've written a curriculum, if you've got a great website, whatever it is, if you want people to find it, yeah, you need to be making sure that your site comes up quickly in a Google search, but you also need to be thinking about coming up in a YouTube search. If you can't find, if people can't find your organization on YouTube, that's a shame. That's a pity because there's a lot of people out there who are looking for your information, believe it or not. They want to see what you've got, but they're going to be looking at it via Google and via YouTube. So YouTube is a really important new media tool that every environmental education program, whether it's just at one school or whether it's a state program, you really need to be integrating video. We're going to be taking a quick commercial break pretty soon, but I want to give you a preview as to some of the things we're going to be talking about when we come back. I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty of how to use Facebook, how to use Twitter, how to use Flickr, how to use podcasts, and how to use iTouch or iPhone applications or apps, as everybody talks about them, to, to advance environmental education. So we're going to be talking about some really cool new media platforms. Um, for those of you who are wondering, how does that apply to environmental education? I'm going to tell you right after the break. So don't go away, folks. We've got tons more to talk about on this topic of new media and environmental education. So don't go away. More Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. 
Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today we're talking about something that is really fun and it can be really exciting for your environmental education program to delve into if you have not already. And that's social media. Some people call it new media. And then there are those of us who've been doing it for a while and we're like, it's not new. I've been doing it for like three years. It's so not new. But you know what? For a lot of folks, it is new. And we're talking about how to use things like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and all the other uh, apps and, and and programs out there to advance environmental education. Now, the truth of the matter is the advice that I'm giving today is based on a couple of things. It's based on trial and error. I have this thing where I tend to learn everything the hard way. I've been playing around with a lot of social media apps um, since they have come out. I have a good friend who is about 10 years younger than I am. She keeps me cool. She's introduced me to all the cool new things, and now I'm really hooked. For those of you who are wondering, where do you get all this information about social media? How can I stay on top of it? Because it really feels like... You know, something new happens every day, which is pretty much true. I'm going to give you my secret advice, and that is go to this website to find out everything you want to know about social media. It's called Mashable.com. For those of you who are savvy to social media, you're like, I know, I've been doing Mashable forever. But for a lot of people, that is a website they're unaware of, and so I want to make you aware of it. It's spelled M-A-S-H-A-B-L-E.com, and that is where you can find out everything you ever wanted to know and so much more about all the social media platforms going on out there. And the, the thing is, what you've got to do is test it all out and figure out how does this tool, how does this particular application advance the mission of my organization? If I'm an environmental education um, person who, who wants to get out there and help schools go green, help kids go green, how does 
this particular social media application apply to that? We talked about YouTube before the break and some of the ways that you can use that. Let's talk about Facebook for a minute because a lot of organizations really use Facebook incorrectly. Um, one of the things that I would advise you never to do is to create an actual profile for your organization. It's kind of creepy um, to a lot of people to friend an organization because it feels like you're letting some nameless, faceless organization into you know, your personal space. A lot of people are very public with Facebook, but a lot of people are also, you know, they kind of like to keep their um, everyday news, their here's what's going on in my personal life to their circle of friends. And so if you create a profile called uh, Going Green USA or whatever, and you try to friend a bunch of people, that may not work out for you the way that you hope it would. People are much more likely to friend a person. So if you're a person who's associated with an organization, that's a completely different thing. But if you are an organization who wants to use Facebook for environmental education, I would say do one of two things. Either create a page or a group. Um, the Go Green Initiative has a page. And the reason that we do that is because when people join or become members of the page, that means that we have the ability to send them a direct message in their inbox, uh, their Facebook inbox. And we don't do it very often. I mean, maybe once or twice a year do we even use that capability. But if there's something really super important that we want to get out to people who are involved in our Facebook page, if we just post it on the Facebook page, they may or they may not see it. But if we're able to send them a direct message directly to their Facebook inbox, then we know that they're going to hear from us. And again, it's something that we rarely use, but it's it's a very effective tool if there's something really important that you need to communicate. If you want to just have something really fun and social on Facebook, create a group and or create a fan page. Um, there's all different configurations, and each of those is something that you can spend a lot of time looking at Facebook videos to learn how to do these, you know, various configurations of a Facebook page. But one of the things that's super important is that you have to remember that the reason people are on Facebook to begin with is very different than why they're on your website. So if your Facebook page is designed exactly the same as your website, that's not going to be very effective. When people go to a website, they're expecting to glean information. They want to snack on your information. They want to snack a little here, snack a little there on information that you may have on different pages. They want to crawl around um, without being bothered too much. It's not so much a social experience. It's just information. But when people go onto a Facebook page, they expect to interact. So when your organization, if you want to get out and talk about how to go green, expect people to want to talk with you, which means if you start a Facebook page, don't turn your back on it. Don't just post stuff and then never look at what people are posting in reply. If you put up a link to a video or upload a video to your Facebook website and people are allowed to comment on it, Get involved in that conversation. The whole point of, of being, uh, you know, on a Facebook page is to interact with people and to allow them to interact with each other. But that also means that there could be people out there that say negative things about your organization. That's always the risk. But there's all kinds of information about how to mitigate those risks and how to be personable and friendly and positive even when people 
you know, get out there and say things that aren't very nice. Um, there, there are lots of things that you can do with the Facebook page to advance environmental education. One of them, of course, is to put out videos um, and to upload those. Another one is to put out uh, discussion topics and say, hey, let's talk about water conservation or, hey, let's talk about how you can talk to your local city council about setting up recycling in your city park or things that are really relevant to people and then let people sound off and let them communicate with each other. One of the things that I think is really cool about the Go Green initiative, uh, Go Green face space, is that we have people talking to each other without the interference of anybody from my organization. It's totally fine with us if people ask each other questions and comment with each other and, you know, if they want our help, we're there to give it. But a lot of times... I let it go. I let people from all over the world talk to each other on the Facebook page and help each other and share best practices. And if I can tell that they're stumped, then I'll chime in and say, here's some great information. But Facebook is a tremendous way to advance best practices and share great ideas uh, amongst people that will never be able to meet face-to-face. It's a great tool for that. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about Twitter. There are a lot of people who are still trying to figure out what is Twitter good for? Um, is it an, uh, a type of platform where I can say, oh my gosh, I just sneezed in the middle of class. Ha, ha, ha that's funny. Or uh, going to the grocery store or going to dinner. Um, yeah, I mean, people are using Twitter that way. But if you're somebody who's out there saying, I want to advance the idea of going green using Twitter, then Putting out those kind of tweets has no value whatsoever. Um, this is just my opinion, but I'm going to tell you how I use Twitter to advance environmental education. On my iPhone, I have probably about 25 apps that have from various news organizations, from CNN to BBC, Discovery News Channel, um, some local uh, newspapers, television stations and radio stations, uh, Associated Press, Reuters, all of those. And... When I have a few minutes every day, I'm combing through each of those news apps. And when I find something that will um, increase or elevate the education of my network, I tweet that article. And maybe I'll have just a little commentary like, uh, well, folks, this is how climate change can affect food prices. And then tweet an article from Reuters that's talking about that. Or, well, I guess, you know, this is how... Um, recycling really can benefit your community. And then I'll tweet an article from the Associated Press. Those are the kind of things that Twitter is awesome for. If you have an environmental education organization, you can, for one thing, put your Twitter feed up on your homepage of your website, like the Go Green Initiative has, so that people can see there's updates every single day to your website. There's always some new reason to come to your website. But also, you can you can put articles out or put links to blogs or links to videos out to your community so that people are constantly getting value from your from your tweets. Um, so that's how I use Twitter. And I think that that's probably the most valuable way for an environmental education program to do that. Because honestly, um, you know, people who would be following an environmental education program on Twitter are really not looking to find out what you had for dinner. They're looking to find out uh, some new information that will help them. Let's talk about Flickr for a second because that is a great social media platform. It's a, just a fantastic way for environmental education 
um, advocates, whether you have a program or whether you're just all about going green, to share cool pictures that illustrate why it's important to go green. And it may be a picture of a recycling can in your park that's overflowing or maybe it's empty. And you can put some little tag on it. You can take a picture of it in your phone, send it to Flickr or, or send it, you know, to another, uh, there, there are other, you know, platforms like this besides Flickr. I just happen to be a big fan of Flickr um, with a little tag that says, hey, we need to recycle more or take a picture of something you see on the street, litter on the street and say, man, we need to pick up litter. This is disgusting. Um, you can use pictures because everybody loves to see a photo. You know, they say that a picture is worth a thousand words. I still think that's true. And so Flickr is a great social media platform for environmental education programs, both to put out photos of either good or bad examples of what it means to go green, but it's also a way to invite students into another way to engage them in communication and say, share your photos with us and make it part of our photo stream. Um, the Go Green Initiative, if you look down at the bottom of our homepage, you will see our Flickr photo stream, a couple of examples. You can go directly to our Flickr photo stream and see pictures from all over the world, wherever we go. So that's another great new media tool that I think environmental education programs can totally capitalize on to both show some interesting photos about what's right with the world or what needs to happen in the world of going green, but also to allow schools, teachers, students, parents, whoever, to send in their photos to be part of your Flickr stream as well and to kind of open it up for two-way communication. It also allows your community to comment on your photos. If you take a photo of something really great that's going on at a school, like maybe they have a Go Green or Earth Day Fair, and you could show photos of that, then people can comment on that, replicate um, what they see in those photos, um, and it can be a great training tool. We are going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to be talking about a few other new media tools and how they can be used to advance environmental education. I'm really serious, folks. This is going to be our last segment of the show. So if you want to interact with me, ask a question, I totally invite you to do that. Call me at 866-472-5788, and I'll be happy to answer your questions live. Don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? or 14%. Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. 
The Interstate Sportsman Talk radio show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Friday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 Eastern, for the Interstate Sportsman on the Voice America channel. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Green Radio. Glad you're joining us today. We're having a lot of fun. We're talking about new media, and I will admit I am totally geeky when it comes to social media, and I love it. I think it's so valuable, and I think what it's really done for my industry, which is the environmental education industry, is that it has opened up ways to communicate with students, teachers, parents, principals that just simply didn't exist a few years ago. And I think that's so exciting to really get people engaged. Now, let's talk for just a second about new media. Though it is a new technology, it's a new way of of reaching into people's daily lives and communicating with them, there are a few things that I really encourage you to remember. It isn't new to communicate with people. And there are still some the same reasons to communicate, the same um, uh, ways to express yourself, that just because you're doing it in a tweet, just because you're posting it as a Facebook status, or just because you're um, you know, putting it out on a YouTube video, there's still some things that are true about human beings and the way they like to receive information that don't change, even when the medium changes. One of those things is that people like to feel respected. And I think that one of the things that social media experts will tell you, and I'm not saying that I'm one of them, but one of the things I've heard them say many times over is that go where people are already gathered. In other words, having a website is great. It's important. You've got to have it. But if you're an environmental education program out there thinking that you can just pump the link to your website out and expect people to come to it and come to you for your message, and and if you think that's the key to success, um, you may find yourself disappointed with that strategy. Uh, the strategy that I've employed using social media is to show respect for my audience and say, look, I know you're busy. I know you've got a million things on your mind. So instead of asking you to come to me for the message that I want to share with you, I'm going to go to you. And so if you happen to already be gathered on Twitter, if you happen to already be gathered on a certain Facebook page, if you happen to already be gathered on YouTube, then that's where I'm going to go to share my message with you and to 
to ask for your feedback and to ask for your input and to welcome it and to engage in a conversation with you. And it's that philosophy of communication that if you let that um, respect for your audience and that desire to reach your audience where they are instead of expecting them to come to where you are, that shows in, in, in your message. That is demonstrated so clearly. People know when you are showing them respect um, in the way that you communicate. So even by using new media and even by, you know, sending out blasts and, and your know, tweets and, and posting Facebook status updates and posting videos, the message still needs to be, hey, audience, let's get together. Let's talk about this. And here's one more place where we can have a conversation. I want to talk about, we've, we've already talked about YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Flickr. I want to talk about podcasts because some of you who are listening right now are not listening live. Some of you download Go Green Radio and put it, you know, uh, get it from iTunes and you put it on your MP3 player and you listen to it on the go, which is awesome. I'm glad you do that. Um, and so let's take a lesson from that. For those of you who are out there in the environmental education space and you're having trouble getting your curriculum, you know, out there into schools, well, why not try having some podcasts as part of your curriculum. Why not try recording, you know, some fun kids' voices, doing little lessonettes about, you know, water conservation or energy conservation or whatever topics you want to cover. Even, you know, kids today, though, a lot of the things that they get on iTunes are either uh, songs, naturally, or apps for their eye touches. Kids are still... Um, tuned into this whole idea of downloading podcasts. And so if you can kind of create the uh, 21st century version of, do you remember uh, Schoolhouse Rock? A lot of us who grew up and were watching TV in the 70s and 80s remember Saturday morning cartoons. And Schoolhouse Rock was a, a program that taught us about everything from grammar to civics to the constitution and the preamble and a lot of us loved the songs i can still remember the songs from schoolhouse rock well if you were to take um your message with environmental education and create a schoolhouse rock type of um platform that included music and included funny voices and you made those into podcasts that kids could download and carry around with them on their on their smartphones um Hey, that's a win. That's another way to deliver environmental education material. The same is true for, uh, you know, for those of you who want to reach teachers or want to reach parents with your message of environmental education. People are downloading podcasts. They love an interesting um, conversation, you know, that they can download via iTunes. So that's a great way to use new media. I want to talk for a minute, too, about apps because more and more kids, even if they don't have an iPhone or an Android, they are using apps and they, you know, I mean, my kids and I compete on Angry Birds and uh, other games that we have all downloaded and we, we share some of our apps. And that's another great new media tool for environmental education programs to get out there and create apps that kids can use on their iTouch or on their smartphones um, to, to talk about, you know, games, whether it's games or whether it's just simply information that kids can access even if, you know, their school... It doesn't make time for environmental education. It's another way to reach them. Um, I think one of the most underused new media, it, and it's really not all that new, but it's, it's something that American Idol knows well, but a lot of environmental education programs have not really tapped SMS, in other words, texting. 
kids that don't have smartphones still have cell phones and a lot of them use texting for a whole lot of things. And I think that there's a, a huge opportunity for environmental education programs to engage kids and even parents in texting. There's ways to do surveys, ways to do polls, way to do uh, little prizes and giveaways. And, and again, if you engage at all in the way that American Idol uses texting, um, that can give you some great ideas for using that for your environmental education program. I think that's a, a big untapped resource. For a lot of environmental education programs, I know that it's scary to think about new media and you wonder, oh my gosh, are we going to have to hire some huge staff of IT folks to manage this? Well, the truth is, no, you don't. First of all, a lot of the platforms that I've talked about today are free. Um, you don't even have to pay for them. There are some out there that are really worth paying for to get the premium uh, services. But start with the free versions, play around with these tools and figure out how you can use it to further your mission and advance the pieces of curriculum or whatever messaging you've got for schools. Um, but one of the things that I, I don't want you to be afraid of is that, you know, you're going to have to invest a lot of money um, or a lot of new resources. Teach your existing staff, even I, as the executive director of the Go Green Initiative, I'm using social media myself. I'm the one pushing a lot of our message out there, and I can do it all while I'm on the go from my iPhone. So it can be done, even with a small staff and a small budget. Don't be afraid of new media, and, and continue to learn new media. Again, I can't emphasize enough how useful a resource like Mashable.com is. I love Mashable. Get out there, learn about social media, play around with it. And then every time you're introduced to a new application, think about who's already using this application? Are they part of my target audience for my environmental education program? And how can I use these tools to advance my message? One of the things that I'll leave you with, uh, an idea that really is powerful and can help you get the most um, out of your new media platforms is integration. Think about every time you post a video, integrate it into your Facebook, tweet about it, you know, uh, put it on your blog, put it on your website. Every time you write a blog, um, integrate that into a link on Twitter, um, put that up on your Facebook. Get the most mileage out of every piece of curriculum, every communication uh, text video picture that you uh, produce with your environmental education picture or, or uh, program and put it on every social media application, every new media platform that you've got. Um, and there's tons of ways to do that. Check out my website for ways that we've been doing it. That's gogreeninitiative.org. Folks, we'll be back same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Until we talk again, have a great week and go green.
Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. 